Hello and welcome to Gardener's Podcast, part of Garden Church in Southern California. My name's Darren, and today I had the privilege of having a conversation with Pastor Bill and Pastor Amanda. We talk about religion, we're talking about the gospel, and we're talking about death. So something to really just pick your spirits up. (laughs) I'm kidding. It's actually a great conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Let's just go right into it. Thanks for being here. Guys, you can only have a good time if you want to have a good time. All right. Do you want to have a good time today, Bill? I'm not sure. Bill is still undecided. We'll settle in. Yeah, we'll see. We'll settle in. Yeah. Amanda is also here. Um, I will say the two that are maybe optimistic about this are the ones that have coffee. Mm -hmm. But you've already had your coffee this morning. I have had coffee. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Never a question. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember having a, uh, we met over coffee one time, but you did not have coffee. But because you have so many coffee meetings throughout the day, yeah. you learned to... Pacing. Pacing. Mm. Today's mm. a long day. And today's an, another one of those days. Yes. Um, and as always, we're so appreciative of you being here, Bill, and, and not only teaching on Sunday, but also coming back to talk about the service and talk about the, the day in general. I think, was, was that the first Sunday that you spoke uh, first, second, and the evening service? No, I've done night a couple of times Okay. Uh, last year. Mm. All right. How is that for you, teaching three times? Um... Amanda and I were just talking that the, the, the feel of the services is different. Just it, for me, I've done that for 15 years. So uh, in other churches that I've served, doing th- sometimes five services on a weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so three is... It's <laughs> cake. Not, not too bad. <laughs> Easy. Yeah. Why are we complaining? <laughs> I'm, Why are we tired? I'm not... I'm not I have coffee. This is my second cup. Yeah. Um, Amanda, what, what was mm-hmm. it like for you? You led um, yeah. worship for the evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, we led together. I know. We rocked it out. Yep. Um, but you got to participate in the services, mm-hmm. just worshiping and listening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then uh, you were leading in the evening time. What was the What was that like for you? Even the difference between uh, morning and evening. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Bill and I were just talking about this. There is such a difference, I think, between what the Lord's doing in the morning versus, yeah, some of the threads that I felt like he was pulling on in the evening in particular. Um, I loved watching, I mean, Bill, you, I feel like just naturally like tailor what you're saying to what fits in the space. And I think something that we felt was just really cool in our evening service was, um, yeah, just a sense of like a, a longing, like there's a longing of our community, at least that portion of our community to what I felt during worship was just like sit at the feet of Jesus. Like there was something that just, yeah, like they'd been waiting all week to like get to that place to like just sit before the Lord. And so it was really sweet, I think, to see that through line, at least all throughout the evening. Um yeah, I mean, there's so many things to say. Yeah, it's always a sweet time. And yeah. I, I, we're all still getting used to the feels of evening service. Totally. Yeah. I love um, it, though. Yeah, and it's been well, great. And, and I think it's good that we're not trying to dupe mm-hmm. the morning, mm-hmm. right? Uh, even though there might be some songs that are similar, they are led differently, mm-hmm. and they fit differently, mm-hmm. and they land differently. Mm-hmm. 
and to be able to honor that's why for me i used to back when i was doing two or three or four services started i tried to make the sermon identical mm-hmm. and i just it was horrible so now it's just each one does what it does and some things i remember to say and some things i forget and mm-hmm. other stuff comes up that i wish i'd said mm-hmm. on the yeah. other ones and i yeah. just, you just realize you're not in charge of anything yeah. really yeah. important here so yeah. and when when you multiply something like that there's that tendency to want to just duplicate because you were, we're talking about scale and we're talking about like multiplication and that is typically like copy paste and we're so good yeah. at you know, yeah. doing that. I, I'm pretty sure as soon as I said that, everyone's thinking of the shortcut keys on their keyboard because they're just like, save time, do yeah. this, and I know how to get there efficiently, but we don't want to be efficient with something no. as tender and as no. wholesome as this. Yeah, exactly. And so I'm, I'm so appreciative that you're bringing that bill, you're bringing that Amanda, mm-hmm. um, and that even though we can participate in the same or different ways for essentially three services, they are unique mm-hmm. and there's individuals in each one that need yes. something that God knows about. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when we bypass that with the, with, uh, with that copy paste mindset, then we kind of just like glaze over That's everybody. Yeah. yeah, and yeah, that there's so much to be to be missed there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that did not happen this last Sunday. Um, Bill, I loved how you uh, um, prefaced your sermon um, in "Toddlers Can Deconstruct," but it really takes maturity to to reconstruct and kind mm-hmm. of just packaging the sermon series that we're in, reconstructing church. Um, Bill, can you tell us a little bit about um, what you were trying to get at? We're, you know, toddlers, like we, I think we all have a reference point for that and causing destruction. And sometimes it's wonderful in play. Um, but what is it about reconstructing that you really want us to take away uh, from something like this? Yeah, that's a great way to come at it. Uh, deconstruction is not new. Mm. The church has needed to be deconstructed from day two. Mm. <laughs> it, it's it because it's an organism. It's it's a, a bo- the body of Christ. There, the static is dead. Yeah. And so the dynamic means things need to go away and new things need to come in. And the point I was trying to get at was that that means we're not in charge of anything. Mm but we like to think we are. Mm-hmm. And so we put in systems and structures and containers to, to in Otto Weber's language, institutionalize the charisma mm. to try and manage the work of the Spirit and the way of the Spirit so that we have a better sense uh, in, on, the, on the positive side of how to prepare and all that, but more often than not on the negative side, how to control and how to limit and how to, how to you know, boundary the work of the Spirit. And of course, the passage this week is just the Holy Spirit saying, buckle up, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're along for the ride here. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the, the deconstruction impulse, which is easy to ridicule mm-hmm. is actually very, very good. Mm-hmm. You see it in mm-hmm. you see it in creation, in the annual cycles of. Uh, we might not use the language of deconstruction, but the cycle of of dying, rest, 
seeds coming to life. Here we are in the springtime, coming to summer and then fall in harvest, and then they die again. Mm. And that's a cycle of that's the cycle of life. So deconstruction by itself is not negative. Mm. the The challenge is to stay on the hamster wheel until it starts to turn back around again. Mm. And okay, what new is emerging out of out of this thing that we've taken apart, legitimately and properly so, it needs to be critiqued. Any organization that includes people like me needs to be critiqued regularly because inevitably it's going to start to resemble the people who are mm-hmm. are part of it mm-hmm. and and we're works in progress so the challenge is not to let deconstruction be the last word mm. but deconstruction for the sake of reconstruction mm-hmm. uh is is the challenge mm. and and i think nowadays um deconstruction can be more of a buzzword for a lot of people for both the positive yeah. and the negative yeah. effects yeah um, but what I'm hearing you say is that deconstruction shouldn't be the goal and destination. No. I feel like in a lot of circles, it's, oh, let's just take apart this thing and feel like we've accomplished something right. in our dialogue and our discussion exactly. about this entity, and now we know better, and now we're done. Right. But um, that's not the point. It, it Deconstruction can be a part of the journey, but would you say that reconstruction is the goal, or is that still a, a part of a, a longer process? Part of a longer process, because anything that we reconstruct will soon then have to be re- deconstructed, mm. Mm. because we just l- latch on to things and then want to... It's our Tower of Babel. We want to make it a, a, a structure of power. We want to control again. Mm-hmm. And the new can become as deadly as the old, um, and sometimes a harsher taskmaster, uh, because this were this is a, a a living, vibrant community, in in which the end goal is life with God in the age to come, mm-hmm. which never ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this process of 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 letting go of receiving the new that's going to go on forever. Mm-hmm. Um, Amanda, I remember you saying yesterday um, that you liked third service teaching the best. Mm-hmm. And I think I admitted that I, I think it took three sermons from you, Bill, to fully grasp what was being said. Uh, I'm not sure if other people share that, where it's like, what did he say? I need to listen to that again. And I, that's healthy, obviously. But I had I, I attended three services yesterday or yeah. on, on Sunday. Yeah. Um, what stood out for you, Amanda? Yeah. Um, I mean, so much. I think as we're talking about this conversation on deconstruction, that hit me for that service in particular, just because I know the stories of some of the people in that room. Um, And I think you had touched on something, Bill, about like deconstruction leading us to a place where we're like sitting in cynicism or resting in cynicism. Um, And just thought, yeah, that was like, I think a pertinent word for the moment. And I feel like it's so much of what I have seen and even find myself sitting in too. Sometimes being someone who's leading the church, like can, yeah, absolutely. Um, sit in those places of cynicism and kind of allow that to take root 
um, which then colors kind of how you view mm-hmm. everything and can lead to isolation. And um, yeah, just thought that note was helpful and actually just had questions on that. Like, what does it look like to engage in these conversations with people in your community to pick things apart, pull things apart? We can use the word deconstruct, but um, what I guess, what do you do when you feel like you hit that place of like, man, I think I'm, I'm think I'm cynical. I think I'm, or even getting burnt out from just the constant, like tearing pieces apart. Like, what does that look like to continue on in a healthy way in community? Yeah, I think the, I mean, that's where the repentance comes in, mm. right? That's where, yeah. okay, I've backed the truck up enough to know I missed an off-ramp here. I should, you know, choose a different mm-hmm. course of action. But the goal in all of it is to get as close to Jesus as you possibly can and mm-hmm. stay there. Mm-hmm. And the church, religion, as we talked about it on Sunday, can aid or and abet that or can be frustrating to that uh, or to substitute for it Hmm. Uh, because real relationship is a whole lot messier Hmm. even when the one with whom we have that relationship is Jesus Mm -hmm. than the nice neat controlled here's your lines here's my script structures that we have been trained sometimes Mm -hmm. by our religion to believe is the nature of that relationship. Mm. So the impulse that says, you know, Christianity is relationship, not religion. Mm -hmm. I get that. Not altogether helpful in Mm -hmm. my view, but I get why that impulse is, is, is there. So when I find myself, if I'm, if I'm, able to stay with my doubts long enough to begin to doubt my doubts mm. then i can start to say oh wait there's there's a there's something on the other side of 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 this because mm. you can get stuck at any point in the process mm-hmm. the the goal in my view is just to keep moving even if that means crawling or inching forward a little bit yeah and in places of deep pain of betrayal of the horrors of what we do to one another in community Mm. um i think it's really um essential not to not to 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 get off and and stay in the by in 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 that rest stop so to speak Mm -hmm prematurely mm. uh, because the the goal is to continue to move forward mm-hmm. um jesus experienced exactly that same betrayal mm. we talked about it sunday night with yeah. this church hurt uh piece and the truth on the other side of that is that i've been both say victim but also perpetrator of right. church hurt yeah and i need to own and accept complicity for that mm-hmm. um so uh, it's that that press that says, well, cynicism can't be the end goal. Hmm. Um, that's Psalm 1. Yeah. You know, where we're sitting on in the ditch on the side of the road with the scornful, hmm. m- making fun of the people who are making progress, not noticing mm-hmm. that everybody's passing us by now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's, that's the challenge. Yeah, hmm. that's good. Hmm.
Yeah. And that can be so difficult to do. Um, I, I think even for me in the, the church hurt, I, I think I, I usually don't associate my experiences at church with hurt, um, more so because I just want to be present and be here Mm -hmm. and not complain. You know, like I, it's such a a turnoff for me when I'm with other believers and they can't just stop, they can't stop talking about what they hate about so-and-so or the church or this movement or something like that. Um, and looking back, uh, one of the, one of the catalysts that ultimately brought me and my family to Garden Church was, um, the lockdowns of COVID when, uh, I was separated from my family for two months, uh, and they were stuck out of the country. Um, I, it was a big revealing of not just, oh, look at my mm. church and how bad they are. Mm. It was, I participated in where I'm at right now. Mm. And that's yeah. a real thing. And I, you know, recognizing, um, my contributions to this environment yeah. that is not yeah. as healthy, uh, I think is really, really key. I I can say for me that that was one thing um, that stuck out for that time period. And I think, um, you know, the fact that we're talking about it is helpful because um, church hurt is usually just the one-sided arrow of, oh, this thing over there, mm-hmm. not me. I didn't do anything. This is, you know, I'm the victim right, here, right. but, you know, we all played a part. Mm-hmm. Um which is actually uh, one of the things that I did want to get into when you were talking about um, personalizing Jesus being on the cross and I put him there. Yeah. Um, like, I think that that really resonates because um, that's so easy for us to, you know, in an armchair and evaluate like, oh, they did this, but I would have done this. Oh, but they did this and I would have, whatever, it, you know, whatever right. it is. Right. Um, can you talk a little bit more about... Um, like why we should consider that because um, I think for the for the most basic reason like I wasn't there I don't have anything to do with this mm-hmm. but that's that's not the point because we're talking about turning the wheel to reconstruction to like what am I how am I being a part of the solution and just disconnecting myself from this issue is not the point no no and. I mean, it gets to the root of what we have when we have Scripture, whether Old New Testament, the narrative of Genesis chapter chapter 2 is not about somebody else. Mm. It's about us. The narrative of chapter 3 is not about somebody else. It's not like, had I been there, mm-hmm. it would have gone down differently. Yeah. It, the point of the story is you were there, and this is what you did. Mm. This is what we did. So similarly, the the work of the cross. This is why uh, the partaking of the elements of communion is so important. Mm. It's a place of identification. It's a place of realization. We are consuming the broken body Mm. of Jesus. It is this entry into not just the sacrifice he made on our behalf, but our complicity in his brokenness, Mm. right? That his his hanging on the cross, if, if this is just an historical event to which we look back and say, thank you, Jesus, without a realization that he became sin mm-hmm. for us, that we might become the righteousness of God, well, we lose the back half of that outcome if we are not on 
the front half Mm -hmm. of identification in complicit, in responsibility. And uh, again, we always like to say, if I'd been there, I would have. And the truth is, A, you wouldn't, and B, you were and you didn't. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that, I think, is why Peter's sermon is so pressing, because he comes from a place of personal identification Mm -hmm. Yeah. when he says, we did this, you know, you, you did this, you crucified the Lord of glory. And if we can't accept the diagnosis, Mm -hmm. the, the solution will not be available to us. If, if that was somebody else did that, well, then they're the beneficiaries of it, not you. Mm. And the, and the second part of that was, even though this is like the worst thing and admitting it and knowing that you played a part, like you're not disqualified. No. There's still, there's something better. Yes. And it, it reminded me, um, I come from a construction background and uh, I apprenticed with, um, you know, just a classic construction guy, woodworker, craftsman, super wise and super smart. Um, and he always used to say, cause he would give me so much freedom to mess up and do things right or do things wrong or whatever. And he would always say, don't worry, just get it done. You can't break something more than I can fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's it. like, it's so, it's so liberating to hear because you, yeah. um, if yeah. you just stop at that, look what you did, you did this and you know, blame, 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 or whatever you want to feel after that. Like, yes, like we did that, but that's, it's still covered. You yes. know, it's not yeah. like yeah. disqualified or like an insurance policy. Oh, well, it covers everything else except for this, you know. Yeah. But it's like, this is an all-encompassing thing. Like what, tell us a little bit more about that good news aspect well, that covers this. Yeah, well, and that's, that's the thing is that we think we crucified the Lord of glory. And Peter says, well, actually, yes, <laughs> but this is what God had in mind from the get-go. Mm-hmm. He not only knew you were going to crash and burn... He put in place a solution for our crashing and burning before we even thought about crashing and burning. And when we crashed and burned, baked into the system is a solution. He raised Jesus from the dead. Now, he knew we didn't know, although if we'd been paying attention, this is his argument from David, we would have seen that he was telegraphing where Mm -hmm. this was going to go, but we didn't have the slightest idea that resurrection was a possibility, despite the fact, back to our annual sequence of seasons, we've seen this every year. Resurrection is built into the cycle Mm -hmm. of creation. Springtime comes, dawn comes, and the sense that, that, that the final word is death is resisted Mm -hmm. by the entire story of creation. So it shouldn't have surprised us. But when it comes to a body, a person, we, it was the last thing we saw coming. And I think obviously Paul says, this is, this is the strategy. If, if the principalities, powers, the spiritual forces had known what he was up to, they wouldn't have crucified Mm -hmm. the Lord of glory, Mm -hmm. but they didn't see it coming. Yeah. They couldn't imagine that God's strategy to save the world was for himself to die. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. kind of a God does that? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, as it turns out, our God does that. 
mm-hmm. and invites us to join him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so good. I think that was one of the main pieces that has been sitting with me since Sunday is you had mentioned like the men walking with Jesus after his resurrection, not understanding that what was in front of them was the Messiah, like explaining the breadcrumbs of scripture to them. Um, and yeah, just in processing it this week, I felt like, man, I think I actually do think I am the same. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know a thing. And um, I feel like that's like one of the main uh, like thrusts of probably this whole talk for mm-hmm. me um, from Sunday is like this need to release any belief in myself that I will like know enough to anticipate what's coming right. next or... I have a strong enough belief system or container to like support myself and support. I don't know any of the questions that I have that I can somehow answer any of the questions that I have in my own mind. And I don't know, I think walked away with this really, um, I think beautiful sense of like, I actually don't know anything. (laughs) There is (laughs) like freedom in that, um, and I think complete surrender in that to mm-hmm. be like, Jesus, I'll let you reconstruct like what, what needs to be constructed and trust that you'll say what needs to be said at the right time for me to know. Um, mm-hmm. And if you haven't, then I guess I don't need to know it yet. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I think that though highlights the the challenge, right? Yeah. Because while we don't, I mean, accurately, I think, know anything fully. Mm-hmm. We do know someone well. Yeah, yeah. And it is in the knowing of him that the things that we need to know are known mm. and not what we don't need to know. Mm. So it's that relationship that he keeps pressing us towards Yeah, that we, we are in, invited into. But mm. like every relationship, there are... There are dynamics, there mm-hmm. are edges, there are boundaries, there are growth points. And it's that to which we're, I think, invited in this. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, I'm going to start steering the ship towards port, but I did want right. to uh, hit on a uh, on the topic of death. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> excuse me, um, Amanda, you and I get the privilege of listening to Bill Bill, you're you're usually the one that drops the bombs and lets everyone like wonder like what? <laughs> um, and I, I think I think you're so good at that, at least being aware of the fact that sometimes some things that you say are of such significance that you kind of just like say it and then you just wait for them to process. And I I've appreciated that. <laughs> um, but Amanda. Um, Bill has said it before, uh, and every single time it does, it has the same effect on the room. We're just, oh man, that was so good. Like, yeah, I feel like I know what you're going to um, say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesus didn't die, so we didn't have to. Yeah. And I'm quoting Bill now. Um, he died, so we would know how to. Mm-hmm. What What's going through your mind listening to that, even having heard it before, but mm-hmm. what's going through your mind listening to something like that? Hmm. Yeah. I can let you think and and say for me That's a deep it's question. so like um like countercultural of what I grew up with that you know Jesus paid the price so you didn't have to and he did all the stuff so you know and and I just grew up with this belief and understanding that nothing could happen to me and I'm going to be fine. And 
that ultimately was a belief that led me to being good at not dying mm-hmm. and mm. thinking that dying is, oh, that's uncomfortable. This is bad. Oh, th- dying? No, this is bad. Separation? Oh, no, this is... But hearing that, I remember for the first time was really like, what did he just say? And, you know, going back to it, it's like, wow, you know, Jesus was the example this entire time and including dying because he wants us to model that. Um, do you, yeah. what's, what's going through <laughs> your mind? <laughs> L- so listening many to a things. phrase like that. So many things. Um, I come from a background of church that actually talked about this a lot, but not in the same way. So it was a lot of the language was like crucify your flesh, (laughs) die to yourself. Um, which at least from what I gathered, I mean, growing up and just, I think how I was formed and thinking about these things at that time was that all came from a place of believing like you're actually really bad. So you have to die to everything within you. Um, like crucify the sin, like just this really intense language for sure. So I think I'm used to some of that, but um, it came from a place of identity being rooted in your like worthlessness, like you, you are bad. Um, And so you must like kind of crucify these things within you to become more like Christ. Um, And what's so powerful to me about this statement, Bill, that you have said is actually that that flips everything upside down um, and completely reorients that whole conversation for me. Um, Jesus himself, yeah, what led himself, he allowed the Holy Spirit to lead him into death. And that came from an identity of like knowing who he was, of knowing he was called beloved, knowing he was called good by the Father. Um, so it's actually, yeah, now just a model for me, not this thing that I do because I'm a worm because I'm the worst and I need to figure out how to get my life together. But, um, rather in knowing my identity as the beloved, I get to now follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And I think to me, um, at least in this season of my life, the idea of death right now has been like dying to any sense of power that I have, um, releasing, anything that I could hold on to that would give me power, would give me a leg up, would give me, Mm. um, yeah, some sort of advantage in a situation, um, in my marriage, in relationships as a leader, um, and allowing the Lord to say literally all of that has to go. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. I think absolutely just having to submit to, um, the release of any and all power that I have. Um, and that in that place of weakness is actually where true power comes from. Um, there's a lot of thoughts there. It's a a big thing to kind of wrap your your head around in one sentence. Yes. Um, but Bill, just like leaning into that, uh, the topic of death, uh, because it, it is obviously it's a word that is associated with pain and loss and grief and, and a lot of that stuff. Um, but you, I'm not sure if you said it verbatim like this, but the the idea that death leading to life, and you kind of hinted at it before mm-hmm. in the the cycles of creation and the seasons that we always see the leaves. Not well, maybe not in Southern California, but uh, for those yeah. of us who have been in the forest in other places of the world, <laughs> um, where the seasons actually do change, right, and right. it causes the trees to look different, and um, but the idea of seeing a dead leaf fall 
but then you know when springtime comes again, there's going to be a new leaf. It's not the same leaf resurrected, but it's this right. idea of like a cycle that is continuously going. And just speak to that uh, idea of death um, in embodied in our own lives that we can be holding on and wanting to almost put everything on life support because we won't let it go. Yeah, and I mean, this we've talked about this at numerous other junctures because um, God has given us a a mechanism uh, to process losses, to process deaths of any and all kinds called grief. Hmm. And the reason that is given to us is for precisely this reason that and and whether we want to use the language as extreme as death, we we can resonate with that language because it's so extreme mm. when it comes to the death of a of a dream, the death of a, a relationship, uh, let alone the death of of loved ones and et cetera. And each of those, has, if we maybe have eyes to see, baked into it, built into it, a reminder, A, that this is part of life, Mm -hmm. and that it's not permanent. It's not the end of life. It's, It's part of this ongoing invitation. So we need to learn to die well. We need to learn how to how to go through that narrow passageway the valley of the shadow of death without fear because we have a good shepherd who's with us yeah. whose rod and whose staff comfort us but we're still going through the valley because it's one it's the path of righteousness for his name's sake it, it, this is mm. how we do this and that that we are are freed from death as punishment as a result of sin, yes, all day. That's why I, I'm always a little leery of, you know, theories of the atonement, say, back mm-hmm. in heavy theological language. Because there's, there's, there's all kinds of ways of looking at what happened on the cross. And we should, because it's just too massive and magnificent yeah. to be contained in any particular theological formula. But at least one of the aspects needs to be the learning on 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 how to how to let go for the sake of empty handedness f- mm-hmm. to the receiving of the new. Mm. Um, and that that cycle, that pattern, that rhythm is just built in if we'll have eyes to see. and we do ourselves harm when we don't surrender to the inevitability mm. of it. I've walked with a lot of folks just even at the end of physical life and experiencing physical death, sometimes catastrophic. Sometimes we can see it coming pretty clearly with a diagnosis or whatever. Mm. And, and, um, it's the, the people have been dying for a long time and but we are still surprised yeah mm-hmm. it's like why why what what mm-hmm. what what did i do well you were born yeah 
that that that's the next thing on the yep. you know that's coming and so to learn how to do that well that's the name of the game yeah mm-hmm. um i've been having some conversations with with fellow artists about uh this idea of like holding on and not letting go um in the realm of like making ideas or creating mm-hmm. stuff um and how helpful it is when you just get so backlogged with ideas like letting some of them go to make space for the mm-hmm. new ideas or to, to finish mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the things that you really want to prioritize. Um, but, um, my friend, uh, was talking about, um, with having kids. Um, it's not the same as de- the death conversation, but it's adjacent to it. And it, it kind of leads there. This idea that our phones or our cameras can be crippling for us because no parent wants their kid to grow up. No kid want mm-hmm. no no parent wants their kid to like to not snuggle with them at night anymore to not like stay small and cute and and pinch their cheeks and like a teenager is like oh man like this is a adult now like where's my I miss my little baby you know uh, and Bill you're you're kind of in that in that season where like your kids are no longer yeah babies. I don't want to be snuggling and, with them yeah <laughs> and and like you get to experience like the second round with with grandkids and everything. Yeah. Yeah, um, and my kids are are just on the verge. My 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 younger one is seven. He still asks for snuggles all the time. Hmm. When it when it's like eleven thirty, and he should have been sleeping for two yeah. hours. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a strategy there that you probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then my older one, he's he's eleven, and every once in a while he'll ask for snuggles too. And it's like I want to be able to say yes, mm-hmm. but the idea of I need to t- I need to capture every moment because as soon as it's gone, mm. I'll never get it back. And I don't want to let that go. And we bring our cameras with us everywhere. We take pictures of our kids for everything. And like, you know, it's good. Like, I, I love having moments where, oh, you remember when you were like this? You remember, you know, yeah. this and this? But when um, when my friend was telling me this, it was like his life depended on capturing and mm. in, encapsulating every moment. Yes. Because of the fear that it's never going to happen again. Yeah. And we can we can bring that into spaces as if it was a good thing, but on the underneath side, it's really like this pathway to that darkness of like, you know, you see like a reanimated corpse and you're like, that's unnatural because right. it should, it should have been dead right. already. Right. Um, I'm a, I'm a big Tolkien fan. And um, for those of you who have seen the movies, Lord of the Rings or read the books or anything like that, there's this like really subtle uh, nuance with the elven rings Um so to catch everybody up to speed, Sauron has the Master One Ring, and then all the other rings are are bad because they're connected to the One. But there's these three other Elven Rings that were not made by Sauron, but the Elves used them to kind of like um, have these three kingdoms hmm. um, in Middle Earth, which was uh, Lorien with Galadriel, and then um, uh, Elrond in Rivendell, and the third one was ultimately given to Gandalf for his things. But anyways, the three rings were meant to preserve. And the underlying thing there was you don't really see the elves in the Lord of the Rings being super helpful. You see them mainly like protecting their own and having like a little bubble in the world to preserve it. Yeah. And it's not one of those things because obviously the main bad guy is like he wants to take over the world and destroy everybody. And yes, let's fight against this. But Tolkien doesn't let the elves run scot-free because he's like, hey, these are unnatural, these these rings of power, mm. and you're using mm. them to preserve mm. 
which is not very helpful. It's not very useful. No. And uh, I, I, it's another one of those things that you say, Bill, is that holiness is not about, I forgot what you said, but holiness is, is about usefulness. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, when all we care about is preserving, when we want it, we can't let things die. It's like, we're in that realm of like, how useful am I being with holding on to these things and mm-hmm. not letting them go? Mm-hmm. You know, um, Bill, is there, is there anything else that you would want to add with just this idea of preservation or, you know, letting things die? Like how, how has that looked like for you? Uh, in your own life with with uh, embodying that yeah um well at this stage you know i'm i'm 70 and i have less in front than i do behind and if i live with that awareness in fear and dread mm-hmm. i won't live it yeah the one who is afraid to die dies every day the one who dies every day doesn't need to be afraid of mm-hmm. dying. And that's the that's the the goal and I think that's the invitation that Jesus is saying to us at some point and this is more than slightly irreverent reverent but I can see Jesus on the cross give me a wink mm. saying this isn't the end of the story. Mm. And I think that's the invitation. Mm to stay through the darkness, to stay through the losses until the seed that's fallen into the ground and dies springs up Mm. with new life. Mm. And you said it so well, just we we need to die well Mm -hmm. and we need to get better at it. I mean, it was in the way that Jesus died that the Roman centurion, Mark, uh, Mark's gospel, said... This guy was the son of God. Nobody else died like mm. this. Mm. Here's an expert in death yeah, who's seen thousands, literally probably thousands of people die. Mm. And his way of dying mm. was, I've never seen anything like this yeah. before. Wow. And it, it's not, because uh, I, heard, I heard that distinction right now, it's not, we just have to die. So just, right, right, oh, right. oh push me over the edge, like whatever, but it's how you die. Yes. That is, it should carry the marks of Jesus with it. Yes. Uh, And it's such an, that in and of itself is an unnatural thing that people notice it and say, why are you okay with this? Right. How are you, how are you doing with this? Mm -hmm. How did you do that so well? Um, and that, that to me gets me excited because that's the invitation that we want to embody exactly. as the portal into life by embodying death mm-hmm. in that way. Yeah. Um, dang. I know. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say. <laughs> well, good. yeah, now we just have to do it because we talked yeah. about that's it. That's the hard yeah. part. That's it. That's literally it. <laughs> well, Garden Church, you you heard it here and we get to, we get to be that for our community and that we want to embody... Uh, and get good at grief, get good at dying, get good at this this stuff, uh, so that we can be a part of the solution and not part of the problem. Right. Um, and we want to continue turning the wheel in that healthy cycle um, of death and then life, and and ultimately getting people closer to Jesus. And I'm not sure if it was you, Bill, or Darren, or or someone else, of like you know following Jesus, and he died. And yeah. 
Like, you know, when you're planning your career, where do you see yourself in five years? I'm dead in five years. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's, you know, not to be morbid or anything or or self-destructive or anything like that. But, but when we're talking about this, this is not just, you know, for good points in your, in your group discussion. It's not just to like say something new and exciting. It's like living this is actually pretty hard. Right. Mm. You know? Right. Um, but I think it's, it's worth it to get to the, you know, to get to the beauty of life mm-hmm. on the other yeah, side. Exactly. Um, so yeah. any, any last thoughts, Amanda? No, I need to digest even this conversation. So <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, anything else that you'd like to add, Bill? We're good. We're good. We're just, we're going to let this podcast die right now. <laughs> there you go. Let it die. <laughs> good choice. Let it die. <laughs> um, but thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Bill, for being here and Amanda for participating as thank well. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for listening to today's conversation. For more information about Garden Church and everything that's going on here, you can visit garden.church. Have a wonderful day. And we're going to have a good time. Do we have to? You don't have to. Okay. You don't want to. Good. Thanks.